Welcome to the Oregon Real Estate Podcast, where we feature helpful and interesting information on Oregon real estate. Now, here's your host, Realtor Roy Whiting. Welcome to the Oregon Real Estate Podcast. My name is Roy Whiting, and I'm a licensed Oregon real estate broker with Certified Realty. Today's program is titled, The Many Faces of Oregon. In Oregon, what some might call a lifestyle, others may consider a mindset or demographic. Each of these terms is an attempt to describe characteristics of those who live here and to try to put a face to them. Why does this matter? Because arriving at a better understanding of Oregonians provides a better sense of what makes them tick. This could be helpful if you're an Oregon home buyer or home seller, or as a visitor, or possibly a future resident, perhaps you'd simply like to know more about those with whom you may be interacting. The diversity of Oregon residents is hardly surprising, given the fact that a majority of Oregonians are not native to our state. It turns out that fewer than half of Oregonians were born here, with more than half hailing from somewhere else, most often California and Washington. In fact, roughly one in five Oregon residents were born in California. So what are the faces of Oregon, and how might this affect you if you're buying or selling a home in our state? Find out more in this edition of the Oregon Real Estate Podcast. Location, location, location. Sound familiar? That's the usual mantra to describe the three most important factors in real estate. Similarly, determining the nature of individual Oregonians frequently involves what part of our state they call home, or possibly those features that most inspire them. For example, does everyone who enjoys a lake view either sail or fish? Not necessarily, but some do. So one way to determine more about Oregonians also includes examining their preferred activities and not solely their mailing address. That's because it's common for Oregonians to live in a large town due to their job, then on the weekends retreat to our mountains, forests, deserts, or coasts to ski, hike, fish, or hunt. Put another way, while some Oregon urban residents may truly embrace the city, other urban dwellers may have a penchant for a completely different lifestyle. And that's another attraction of Oregon, because here, the possibilities for adventure are not very far away. While Oregonians enjoy our state's breathtaking natural beauty, we also rank high for what is typically considered indoor activity, too. That's confirmed by a survey that ranks Oregon as among the most well-read states in the Union. One clue is that Oregon is home to Powell's Books, which bills itself as the world's largest independent bookstore. So as a group, Oregonians are far more nuanced than you might think. Some might laugh when Oregonians talk about the big city of Portland, but Portland is the big one. You may be familiar with Keep Portland Weird bumper stickers that copy a similar phrase from Austin, Texas. Fact is, while some in our state ascribe to avant-garde weirdness, just as many stay away from Portland for that very same reason. 
What this showcases is a cultural divide that reflects a far bigger statewide schism. How Oregon is Perceived Perhaps you've heard of stereotypes like straight-talking New Yorkers, country-music-loving Southerners, or friendly Midwesterners. What we're talking about is the face of a state or region. Studies suggest that certain categorizations based on location sometimes ring true. Interestingly, in a national personality ranking, Oregon rates highly for the trait of cooperation, suggesting Oregonians get along well with others. The impression of cooperative Oregonians may be due to the fact that there are so many transplants living here, and they may be willing to see beyond differences and unshared experiences. Another possibility is that those yearning for Oregon are self-selected in appreciating that quality they sought in moving here. One other nationwide personality ranking shows Oregonians as relaxed and creative. But does a population of relaxed and cooperative creative types necessarily ring true of Oregonians, or are these simply generalizations that lack much substance? Like our own individual faces, which change as we age, Oregon is constantly changing too. Location is also a part of this phenomena. So when someone asks, what's Oregon like? Here again, the answer can sometimes hinge as much on the specific sense of place as anything else. A middle-aged logger from densely forested parts of our state may well exhibit different views and behavior than a young tech worker living in heavy populated Portland or Salem, or a new mother living in eastern Oregon, or a registered nurse commuting from Oregon's suburbs. Yet not always. But they are all Oregonians. As we'll see, sometimes that which defines us, like the state in which we reside, can be arbitrary. At other times, it can provide a more easily understood and frequently accurate thumbnail profile. Oregon is many states. Given its size and diverse geography, some have made the case that Oregon is really many states, and this helps to explain the different reasons why people migrate here. After all, Oregon is 81 times larger than Rhode Island, more than twice the size of Ohio, and even slightly bigger than the United Kingdom. It's reasonable, therefore, to assume that with such a big state sporting such different features and climates, affinities will vary. Oregon's Frontier Mindset Oregon has always been a leader of sorts. Some theorize that Oregonians have continued this trend that began with Lewis and Clark when they arrived at the mouth of the Columbia River in 1805. Consider the Oregon Trail of the 1830s. People were leaving their homes to go somewhere new. That place was Oregon, largely fulfilling the concept of manifest destiny. A case can be made that this fact has never really stopped. People often come to Oregon to start over and begin a new life. But from what were they and are they escaping? In the case of westward migration on the Oregon Trail, poor economic conditions in the Mississippi Valley and disease prompted many to travel here. Captured by the idea of Oregon, the willing and determined ignored the naysayers to embrace the adventure. They took risks, as the saying went, to see the elephant, a then common phrase that meant enduring difficulty in order to experience the unbelievable. Since the days of the Oregon Trail, other factors also drove migrants to Oregon. For some, it was a desire to leave crime and urban congestion behind. For others, it was the harsh conditions of the Dust Bowl, or the result of a simple search for better, 
or more meaningful employment. Natural beauty is another inescapable feature of Oregon and a magnet for many who weren't born here. Yet not all stay. The image that some have of Oregon doesn't always measure up to the reality. Some who arrive are disillusioned, since while Nower is more beautiful, some states are sunnier and others are less expensive to call home. Describing Oregonians Demographics explain who we are, such as age, gender, and where we live, along with our occupation, while psychographics explain why we behave the way we do. Common demographic information includes one's birth year, home address, income, and marital status, fairly straightforward facts. Alternatively, psychographics delve deeper into factors like what we believe and include our personality, values, attitudes, interests, and lifestyle. The climate is also radically different on each side of the Beaver State. Western Oregon is lush, green, and temperate. Eastern Oregon is dry. Much of it is desert. It's colder in winter and hotter in summer and as sparsely populated as Wyoming. Vast and empty Malheur County, by itself five times the size of Delaware, is the least densely populated place in the United States outside Alaska. Oregon by the numbers. Oregon is divided geographically, culturally, and politically by the Cascade Mountains, located about 100 miles east of the Pacific Ocean. Their impact helps make Portland residents relate more to Seattleites than their fellow Oregonians in rural parts of the state. And there's much to support this. Differing views on livability. Oregon's diversity includes diversity of thought. These heterogeneous opinions include differing views on what defines the term livability. That's because to an urban Eugene resident, livability might be measured by a home's walkability score that includes lots of coffee shop choices. Yet to someone living in remote parts of the state, livability may be better measured by reduced government intrusion, such as removing a restriction that bans the use of hounds when hunting cougar. Different worlds? Yes, but that's Oregon. And between these two groups are plenty of others, each with their own unique view of what makes our state a desirable place to live. Private versus communal property rights. Oregon's land use regulations are stricter than many. This impacts on the ability of many Oregonians to use their own property as they see fit. Because Oregon's diversity includes those holding different ideas, the view that livability is achieved by limiting private property rights to control sprawl through land use regulations, is at odds with others having a desire to divide the property or perhaps use it for a purpose at odds with the zoning. To libertarian-minded and traditionalist Oregonians, and there are many, the key to higher livability isn't in restricting cherished private property rights for a sometimes difficult-to-define greater good that satisfies those holding state power. Instead, for them, Freedom itself provides for the highest form of livability. When times get tough, economic realities can hit hard. That's when policy questions like what defines livability are sometimes reevaluated in greater detail. A path that provides optimum livability is a dynamic that Oregonians wrestle with among themselves in good times and in bad. The answer is more likely to look uniquely different for different parts of the state. For example, mass transit may be desired by those in highly populated areas like Portland and Eugene, but expect resistance among those in outlying areas who either 1. don't see the benefit, 
two, don't think they should pay for it, or three, don't like the side effects it may bring. Portland Power Greater Portland remains the big engine that powers much of Oregon's economy since many jobs are based there. This includes many big-name corporations and plenty of smaller ones. As a group, the big three cities of Portland, Salem, and Eugene politically and economically dwarf the influence of other regional cities. This includes heightened influence over state policy decisions. Whether the topic is taxation, environmentalism, social policy, or governance in general, conservatives and libertarians frequently lament how the state operates without their rightful representation. This is in part due to a state that until now has mainly had one-party rule since the 1980s. The end result, as many see it, is a disconnect between Oregon's leadership and many of its residents. That about wraps it up for today's program, The Many Faces of Oregon. Feel free to check out the show notes for today's program over at OregonRealEstatePodcast.com. There you'll find an analysis of Oregon political views, as well as the states of Cascadia and Jefferson. For now, this is Roy with Certified Realty, wishing you the very best. Do you have a real estate question or perhaps an Oregon property to sell? Contact Roy today for a free consultation. Just call 800-637-1950 or send your email to roy at certifiedrealty.com. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Oregon Real Estate Podcast.